Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business, whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs. Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events, and you'll see the Arena logo front and centre on the fastest swimmers' race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts and let them know that Off The Block Swimming Podcast sent you. Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, Mackenzie at the bottom, Stubbins above her, Schlanger in sixth, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Queen start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. We're short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together. Pick that one. Bloomer at back ahead of Manuel and Herisha Menya. What a shot. Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come out now. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes! a everyone and welcome once again to the Shannon Rollison podcast for another week as I introduce the man himself Mr. Shannon Rollison mate how are you? Oh, a little bit sad Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> what are you sad for? <laughs> ah. Go on do enlighten the listeners <laughs> what are you sad about? <laughs> I don't think Parramatta can make the eight now. <laughs> oh, yes there's all sorts of drama going on uh, in the NRL for those who follow the NRL and for those overseas, uh, Shannon goes for the Parramatta Eels in the rugby league competition over here and uh, they weren't travelling that well to begin with, to be fair. They, they, they weren't going that great this year. But um, uh, They could beat anyone on their day. <laughs> that's any team at the moment. You could make a case for even the Tigers beat the, the Premiers. Hey, hey! Actually, I, I didn't bring this up. I haven't brought this up. Uh, um, <laughs> didn't Parramatta just beat the Souths? Yeah, well, did, yeah. didn't didn't they have p- p- uh, players out? No, 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 Robbie. I think they did. No, they didn't. I think they did. I think no, there was Lola Trail. There was a few. There was a few players. Parramatta out. could beat anyone on the day. <laughs> there was a few players out, but. <laughs> They just got the wrong day. The, the wrong day. Yeah, they uh, just didn't get right. it at the end. Um, yeah. So for everyone listening, yeah, Shannon's he's not happy that you know they're not travelling that well, and then uh, the the nail in the coffin in terms of why Shannon thinks is one of their players has just been stood down for three games uh, for doing something off the field that we may or, he may or may not have done. Yeah. Let's put that out there, but we'll we'll soon find out. It's before the courts, as they say, Shannon, so we'll, we'll soon find out. Other than that, other than being sad, because um, your mate was out on the drink doing let's, – let's, let's just say this. Even if he didn't do anything, is he putting himself in a situation where he probably shouldn't have been? Yeah, obviously, you, uh, you shouldn't be dancing anymore. So. <laughs> 
no men allowed on dance floor. <laughs> uh, uh, what? Actually, I, I got a question for you. That what? What sort of a dancer were you back in the day, Shannon? Left foot uh, to left feet dancer, or could you move? Or yeah, I've been known to do a few moves. Have you? <laughs> I actually had a few drinks on the weekend with the neighbours and um, tried to emulate some moves from thirty years ago and woke up uh, on Sunday morning with a sore foot. <laughs> <laughs> A sore foot? What, what sort of mouth are you going to say you had a sore back or something? What sort of moves were you trying to pull? Uh, uh, I'm not even going to, to go into it. I'll have to but talk Brent, to Elsbeth. Maybe she's got some videos that we can use for Instagram and just to show the people of uh, Shannon's nah, Brett, dance. <laughs> Brett Best would be able to uh, – Sim and I used to go out a fair bit. And, yep. uh He'd be able to enlighten you. Hmm. Where would you frequent back in the day, Shannon? Where where would you frequent? What was the what was the hangout up in Brisbane? Oh, the underground. Okay. Pado, um Cafe Neon, which we used to call Cafe No One. Um <laughs> so Paddington Street. Yeah. Uh but yeah, the underground a fair bit. And then uh when I was going out uh, with a couple of girlfriends, we used to go into the valley mm. and we go to, you know, a lot of the gay places mm. and um, and uh, you just go in and, and you'd be just, yeah, dancing. So Yeah, they're good fun. Yeah. They're good fun. Yeah. I, often, I often get people buying me drinks when we go to gay bars and stuff, so I don't mind it. I remember I went with my wife once. We went and this guy kept buying me drinks. So I just kept saying, all right, then here you go. Cheers. We kept my wife said, what are you doing? I said, don't be jealous, all right, just because no one's buying you drinks. All right, here, here I'll get you a drink. So she, she was getting jealous because he was hitting on me. If we're getting free drinks, we'll go for it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, were, that were good. Free drinks taste really good. Um, <laughs> how's your well, week you been? You go to a gay place and, and yeah. your girlfriend wouldn't get hit on. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why she was, she was upset because she wasn't getting any attention. <laughs> <laughs> how's your week been anyway, mate? How's the team travelling? We're, what, T minus what, five, six days away? How long have you got now till, we, till we're on? Uh Next Tuesday it starts, doesn't it? So, mm. yeah. What's today, Thursday? What was it yep. five or six days, something yep. like that? So, we had a bit of a head out this afternoon. The guys were pretty good. Um, some were very good, so we'll see. So, all all, uh, all okay. Um, Define a good. hit out. What's a hit out look like five or six days away? Uh, last night... Uh, Oh, so there was everyone went three fifties and then swam off. How far did we swim off? Oh, I swam off four fifties, easy. And then some people went one one hundred, some people went two fifties, and one of my guys went a fifty and a thirty-five. And then they swam off three fifties, and then I stood them up to the dive fifty. So yeah, and we got some some lactates out of that, um, so that that was pretty good. And um, Bronte looked good um, 
in the two weeks since she did, and then so she's um, she'll be in Melbourne next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was pretty pretty happy with where she's at at the moment. So, so that well, was is she just doing the fifty, Shannon, or is she doing the hundred? Ended, ended in the hundred as well. Okay. Um, but they're back to back, so I'm not I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll make a decision closer to the day. So. Um, but yeah, she's looking. Things have been going going well. So, um, and she's looking to do the World Cups in October. So that, that's really what you know. She might have done ten weeks back, yeah, something like that, ten or eleven. So, so she's not. She's just having a hit out to have another swim. You know, yeah. um, four weeks after she went that twenty four nine. So, hopefully, she can go a little bit quicker again. So it's interesting, um, just from my own curiosity, Shannon, when you're coaching someone that has a name, so you know she's just coming back and she's building up, but the papers don't and the media doesn't and the TVs don't. And mm. do, do, is it, do you ever have a little bit of, here's someone who doesn't seem like he'd put too much pressure on himself, but is there an, an element of people are expecting this, but this is where we're at, or are you just not really fussed on any of that? You're just coaching her as you would anybody else? Yeah, I think you're just coaching what you see in front of you. Um, the it's one of the good things about Canberra, you know. Like people, I haven't got the media looking for a story or anything like that. So, so that's pretty good. Um, you know, all, all I've been trying to do is sort of pull, her, try and pull her back a little bit because. Um, you know, some of the sets, she might be trying a bit too hard or she feels good and she's going too fast um, and a little bit getting ahead of herself, you know, so mm. after 18 months out. Um, but that's just that competitiveness which lies within her. So um, so it's just about trying to keep her um, with the plan and for the year and things like that. And um, So, yeah, so... I think you start thinking about other things outside of um, the athlete. Yeah, it's fraught with danger. Mm. So, yeah. Well, good luck, mate. Good luck to your team, and, and good luck to all the the teams that are heading to Melbourne. And we, we're going to cover it um, a little bit in in our next episode, um, just in the in terms of the trials and what's going on down there. Um, but uh, yeah, for all the teams and the coaches and the swimmers and support staff good luck uh, as you head down to melbourne in about five or six days uh we last week shannon had um a really good it's, it's sort of a carryover from the ask shannon anything episode where we talked about transitioning from age group um, training and programs to open programs and we did discuss it last week and, and we even had john shaw um, new south wales coaching director on and he he had a bit of a chat with us as well about New South Wales direction, and um, when we finished and we 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 went off the air, you flashed up some um, some paperwork of stuff that you had had from back in two thousand, um, and when you had made plans and strategies and things like that, and you said, "Hey, look, we could have used this," so we decided that we would use this uh, and follow it up with just one more chat about transitioning because. 
and this is why I sort of uniquely wanted to speak to you about it because you've kind of been there, you've done it, you kind of forged your own way in it too. I mean, you obviously learnt from people around you, but um, no doubt anyone who's listened to our podcast before has heard the stories of people saying, no, Shannon, don't go that way, you're going the wrong way. And you're going, oh, well, I'm going anyway, so I'm either going to fall off a cliff or I'm going to get there. Um, so you, you sort of forged your own way. And I think in a time where people are looking for the answers, um, you're uniquely qualified to, I think, speak on it and, and show people that there is a way to go about it. You don't need a, uh, a government handout or someone grabbing your hand the whole way and holding your hand. You just, you know, need a little bit more of a foresight and knowing where you're going. So yes, we are going to, I'm going to stop rambling. We are going to talk again about transitioning from age group program to open program. We're going to break it down a little bit more for you. Um, I wanted to start with this. Where, where did it start, Shannon? So that you, I remember you flashed up a piece of paper that had 2000 to 2004 and you said you yeah. sat down and you, what, what was the genesis of you sitting down going, nah, this it, we're going to plan it. We're going to get this done. I'm, I'm sick of this. We're going to charge forward and I'm going to kick some goals. Yes, so, um, so I, I mean, I've been at uh, Chandler, um, and you know, the Chandler today is not the Chandler of yesterday. So, um, when I was at Chandler, it was just a standalone club. Now you've got a high performance program uh, that sits sort of uh, on top of, so to speak, um, with Vince Rally. <clears throat> um, but back in the day, you had, uh, the Acacia Swimming Club with Bernie Wakefield um, was that they had five lanes at the Sleeman Sports Complex, which mm. is the pool that Chandler operates out of. And then I was at on the other side of the pool, so we were sharing a venue, um, and uh, we had five lanes. And I think, as I said last week, you know, like um, looking back, what we had was very committed people, you know, because there was. No public transport. It was a bit of a white elephant, uh, as people used to say. And the parents had to literally drive their kids to get to that pool. Um, and it's not in suburban built-up area. It's uh, all surrounded by acreage. So I look back and I think, you know, we, we were fortunate that we had people that were that committed to um, giving their kids the best opportunity. We had expensive water. So the first thing was, you know, having X, a num X number of athletes in, in the water. So basically we, we had to be running at 100 swimmers. Um, we had two coaches. And um, uh, so, you know, those first years we were getting the, the numbers up to get to make it viable, otherwise the club was going to mm. um, go elsewhere. I start, I made a, my first team uh, – in uh, oh, 1995, um, yeah, the men Ostrom back then was, yeah, it was sort of like Australia A, what it is now. Um, so they've been, Australia Swimming's been sending swimmers to America. Well, back in the day, they used to send them to Europe on the men Ostrom. So that was my first team in 95. And then uh, 1996, I was on the Trans Tasman team. Um, and that was the tri-series between Japan, New Zealand and Australia. And then 97, what I would call my my first open team, 
uh, was the World Short Course Championships in Sweden and the Pan Packs in Japan. So I made both those teams. Um, then 98, I didn't make a team, but I had swimmers at the Commonwealth Games. 99, I didn't make the team. Um, I went to the World University Games with one of my swimmers, Julia Hamm, but I had um, two swimmers on the Pampac team in 99, which was Greg Shaw and Kate Godfrey. Uh, 99, I had swimmers, I had about five swimmers at the World Shore Course. And then 2000s, so obviously we're getting ready for the 2000s, and I had swimmers, you were sort of ranked third, fourth, fifth, that sort of area uh, in the country, fair, fair few. Um, we go to the Sydney Olympics um, and we didn't get anyone on the team. So we had a couple of thirds, fourths. Jody Henry, who was 16 at the time, finished sixth in the final of the women's 100 free, but they only took five. Hmm. So she was selected for the Commonwealth Youth Team and I was selected as a coach. So, yeah, so since 97 to 2000, I wasn't on any uh, top team. So 98, 99, I was, you know, um, 99 World Uni Games, uh, and then 2000, I went to Scotland, um, Edinburgh, which was the, the Youth Commonwealth Games. So, and, and not putting anyone on the Olympic team, I've really felt that was a failure, and... Um, um, and looking back, you know, like everybody in Clubland, you've, you've got a lot of balls in the air and I sort of, um, you know, you're talking to athletes about their goals and everything like that uh, and you're working with them. But rightly or wrongly, I felt that, um, you know, I was being pulled in too many areas um, and I didn't have any goals. Yeah, obviously the goal was you want your swimmers to swim faster. Mm. Um, but I probably walked away thinking I got I was distracted. Um, as I said, I blame myself. So I, you know, um, I think I've said it before. Like in my eyes, it was a low point um, in that in the last six seven years. And so what I did. And I don't know whether I was listening to someone or uh, where, I don't know where I got the idea from, but I went from sitting down, working through goals with, with the swimmers and a couple of them, I, they were, I had quite a, a, a group of older athletes and a few of them, uh, some retired, some moved on. So it was a bit of a clean out. Um, and I, I had... Uh, Julia Hamstead and um, Greg Shaw. But then I had this new wave coming through of age groupers. So I sat down and I went, I'm going to make goals for myself for the next four years. And as I showed you last uh, last week, I didn't show them to anyone. I didn't talk to anybody about about that. That was just my thing. And what I think, I didn't talk to the athletes about it. <laughs> um and I, I as I said to you, I dated it. Um for some reason I wrote it in a gold pen. There was four goals per year for four years. And I put it I, I didn't look at it all the time, but um I think what it did looking back was it kept me on track. It kept me focused 
with all the distractions that that come your way as a as a head coach of a program. Um, and I had a clear view of where I wanted to go, how I was going to get there, and who I was going to get there with. Um, and I think I showed you I even ranked from from first to tenth mm. who I thought were my my best athletes. You know, so. Um, um, and like I said, I had four goals and, and uh, each year. So 2000-2001 goal, uh, one to two, two to three, and then three to four. Um, so when we're talking about uh, how do we make that transition from age to open, uh, that's that's what I think helped me, particularly in that Olympiad. Um, and look, there's no doubt I, I, I probably had, you know, the best athletes were were in that Olympiad. You know, yeah, they were better athletes than the previous ones. Um, so, so you know, the ball fell my way a little bit, but I made sure I didn't waste those good athletes either in that club uh, environment. So, I'm interested with um, you say obviously until 2000, and then you you decided you know I'm getting pulled this way that way, and we, we've got to get some clear guide. You know ideas and goals and did you find yourself <clears throat> and we've talked about this over the last two weeks and I think you said it yourself you know if you want to be on the Australian team are you prepared to be away from home for 110 days or, or whatever it is because you've got to be on teams and training camps and this camp and that camp and did, did you find in the early days yourself that that like I guess what I'm saying is from 2000, when you, when you set this plan, did you identify too that you needed to have systems in place behind you when you started to go on these trips with the girls and, and make these teams and stuff like that, if you know what I mean? If you set yeah. course for the Olympics, you obviously knew you are going to be away for a while and something that we've identified on the podcast, as you said, that you know too many people want to get up there but then they get up there and then their home is is burning behind them so it's yeah. great that you made this trip but everything you just built has gone now because you didn't set it up the right way is that the period of time as well that you when you're saying it was chaotic did you look at that and go hang on a second we've got to get the base right behind me as well if i'm setting course for for the olympics yeah so um so I didn't know how much I was going to be away because um, obviously um, you don't know if you're going to get selected on a team or not. Yeah. So, so you've got to have this um, – you've got to have provisions that if you get selected, you're going to be away, and if you don't, then happy days. But so what I made um, – back back in those days, uh, if you had swimmers ranked at a certain level, um, you got – X amount of money um, from Swimming Australia, but also the QAS. Um, but if they didn't swim fast or they got sick, you didn't get any anything. Mm. So, but with that money, um, you were allowed to spend it on the club. You couldn't spend it on yourself, but by the club, that meant um, what, what? What? So, in the nineties, I had like twenty-five to. 30 athletes in my senior program. And one of the things was I felt, and I had three lanes. So, you know, so say it was 27, you had nine people in a lane. And I can remember Jody 
you know, having to go five seconds behind because Greg Shaw's coming in and going to run her over. <laughs> um, but I felt that was too many. Yeah. Um, but back in the 90s, you know, my swimmers weren't at a level where we were getting much. So re- it was really important that we had numbers. When they started swimming faster, with that money, I was able to bring that top squad down in numbers. So we were sitting around 17 to 20 instead of 27 to 30. Um, and then with that money, uh, when I would be away, uh, the assistant coach got more. So, you know, if they were on X amount of dollars a week, if I was away, that got bumped up. Mm. Um, that was to keep them happy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and generally speaking, you had you were away in winter. Um, and I couldn't really afford to be away much in summer. Um, but in winter, not you know, you could call upon a coach who maybe just had a summer coaching gig and you could, you know, tee up if I was going to be away for three weeks that they could come in and backfill and be the assistant to say it was Drew uh, yeah. McGregor. So, um, so that's how I used the money to free up space, lane space. And then free up, um, yeah. So it wasn't costing the club money for me for for the success that I was having and the swimmers were having. Um, if I you sort of fork, I I, I foregone you know holidays. So, um, <laughs> you know, and the common thing was, oh, how was your holiday when you come back? <laughs> so that probably burnt me out a little bit um, over time. Um, but it was just, you know, you're an amateur swimming club. Um, you did what you did back then. Um, mm. I would probably say clubs are a little bit more professional in that sense, you know, if you're getting employed by YMCA or Belgravia or something like that. But back then you were just getting, you know, it, was, it, was, it wasn't like that. So there'd be still some clubs around that are like the old days um, mm. with just a club committee and revenue coming in from the – you know, you're just trying to balance the books. Um, but there is definitely, when you're not there, and, and um, I remember, and I think I've said it, you know, the AIS days, um, we would do one camp a year and I would go to a World Cups and um, Manostrum and then the major, you know, you were sitting at between, you know, 75 and 110 days a year you were away back when i was at Chandler, i couldn't afford that to do that so we would have one camp in threadbow a year that was 10 days and then obviously you know your days you're away with age nationals and open nationals um so i i never really counted them up but it wouldn't have been as many as the, the from uh the era that i was at chandler because the club just wouldn't be able to afford it you know yeah yeah, no, well, <clears throat> just, I guess, backtracking, you, <clears throat> pardon me, you mentioned Drew and so it obviously support systems around you. Is that something that organically happened? Were you mindful of, of, of setting that all up in terms of having the right coaches around you, having the right coaches to, to look after the reins while you're not there, all that sort of stuff? Did that just sort of naturally happen or were you, you know, you've set these goals, you've set this list. Was this something you were mindful of and thought I needed to 
get the right players in place here? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, of course you need good people around you, but it doesn't always happen. Like, so 2001 to 2002, so um, so we're going into the summer of 0102 season and my brother was my assistant coach, so he didn't want to do it anymore. And so that six-month summer period, I just coached the whole thing on my own mm. um, because we just couldn't get someone of any decent quality yeah and i felt it was it was a a problem that went on for a few weeks and i i went into the committee you know your once a month meetings and i they were touring and froing and i said i'll do it myself and they were a bit hesitant on that but i said look it'll give us six months of extra revenue every day i'm walking in i know what i'm walking into if you mm. employ someone that's no good you're mopping up their mess you know as they're making it yeah and you know um i was able to do it because you know i was pretty strict on on things behavior wise the, the i had great kids who who you know abided by the rules you know i didn't have kids getting out and yeah, blah, blah, blah. So I was lucky from that point of view. It, it was only six months. I probably couldn't have done it for any longer than that. Um, and, um, you know, when I, I was, I'd be finishing off the the juniors, um, the seniors would be getting in and warming up. So it sort of taught me too about not overcoaching um, that year. And, um, but I, but, you know, I was mindful that if this thing was going to work, I couldn't continue to do this. <laughs> and Drew was doing his hours, and that's how he got the role. You know, he was probably one of the first coaches that actually did all his hours <laughs> and some. <laughs> um, and he kept saying, can I come back in next week? I was like, mate, yeah. So, you know, we ended up throwing a job at him and um, he took it. He was doing learn to swim, you know, um, at, at that time at, at Sleeman's and he was wanting to get his coaching license. So, so yeah, so that was good and it all worked out well. So it was the right call, a little bit of pain for six months, but, um, yeah, it all worked out. In terms of your <clears throat> point scores and things like that, because I, I know you're a man, uh, not as much these days, you're starting to get back there a little bit with you wanting to have a bit more of an identity and stuff, but with your clubs and stuff. But back then yeah. it was, you know, the point scores and certainly in Brisbane it was very big. And even when I was up there, it still is with the Brisbane um, championships and point scores and stuff and obviously Australian championships. When did you start to see that transition for, for Chandler from being the age group champions? Because you said how many years were you age group champions? Oh, um, well, in the Brisbane comp? No, we'll just say in, in um, didn't you, you won uh, Australian point score, didn't you? Yeah, we Nationals? won this, uh, Australian Opens. We won it in 90, end of 96 in Melbourne. Um, uh, and Angie Kennedy came into the program for about 18 months and she really helped us with that. She won six gold medals at, at that short course and that's how I got selected on the 97 world chocolates team but i had some really good like she won the 100 fly and i had two other girls that came second and third to her you know yeah. julia ham and Kate Roberts. so i had a good support we won the women's relay so um that was sort of our breakout year um 
from an open point of view. Age-wise, when he won one, um, because that age group coach of the year point system is different to winning it as a club. So you could win it as a club and not get age group coach of the year because I, I think they just went on medals. Um, oh, okay. So, um, yes, yeah, so I I'd, I'd won that 99, 2001 and 2002. But I was actually only saying to a coach yesterday, we, we lost the 2001 Australian club points to Doug, Frost and Tracy Menzies um, who were at SLC, well, I don't even know if it was SL, it was just Aqueduct maybe back yeah. then, um, on the last swim of in Melbourne, uh, the men's 400 or the 17 years 400 free. So they they got us. So we got second in 01, which was our best, uh, best ranking uh, to that date. And then in 02, we, we won the club points system in Sydney, uh, yeah. the club points score. So um, that they were all in in those goals, you know. So when I was talking about goals, that, there were some there were big picture type goals um, and, and there was always a club avenue in it, which was me trying to build the team as well. So, and, but that phased out the closer we got to the Olympics. Um, but funny enough, so with the Brisbane champs, that was a goal to win the Brisbane champs that year because I didn't want the whole year to be only about the Athens Olympics. And I used the club um, to for Jody and Alice and those that were trying to make that Olympic team to not get too uh, narrow in their thinking yeah. and to think of the club as well. So I used it. Um, does that make sense to help not get too um, yeah, one one focused. But I didn't that, that Brisbane champs, I used to use it obviously in the early days to build the club. Um, but then yeah, it's quite a hard thing to win because you you it it's a lot of commitment. Mm. Some years we that wouldn't be our goal, you know, and as a club, you know, we would take the foot off the pedal and 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 um just so that the whole club wasn't going at it every single year. Cause you, you had to you had to basically commit to five big meets, didn't you? Well, that was what it was back then. So, yeah, um, yeah. Well, for the just for the listeners, if you not obviously if you're from Brisbane and Queensland, you you already know this, but if not, um, they have the uh, Open Water Championships. So the Brisbane Open Water Championship, they have Brisbane Sprints. So just the fifties. They have uh, Senior Champs. They have junior champs. They have relay championships, which was always a bit of fun too. And I think they had winter champs, which was combined. So there's like five or six, and yeah. and and you get your points depending on. So it, it, there's different divisions as well, which I liked as well because it it never put me in a in a situation to you know if we were coaching at the same time. I was just at a little state school pool, so we were never really competing with each other. I was in division four. Um, but what I loved about it um, was it gave you goals. Like every yeah. year I, I would sit down and say, well, I don't want to be in Division 4 anymore. How, how do we get out of here? Let's let's up there. So we, we had open water swimmers all of a sudden and we developed junior swimmers and we started getting relays together. And I think it really helps you develop a really strong program across the board because you, you're identifying these things that you need to do and you're getting on top of. So um, Absolutely. I think New South Wales swimming, if I, you know, just putting it out there, if anyone listens, I, lo I love the idea of that sort of championships um, point score. 
idea because I think it gives um, it gives all the clubs something to strive for, no matter if you're, you know, Knox or, or Trinity or Warringah or Manly or bloody, you know, whoever's at the top, uh, SOPAC, doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Or if you're if you're little little old St George is you know coming in thirty sixth or whatever it is doesn't really matter because you you've all got your divisions and anyway I digress yeah. but yeah no it is good for that no exactly and, and I think I've mentioned it was they had divisions uh, club divisions in in Denmark as well and um, so so people can you know use the goals to develop you know it gives the goal for the whole club you know it gives a great club. Um, uh, camaraderie and sense of belonging, um, and as a as a coach, young coach or any any age coach, really, you can't you don't just narrow in on one or two swimmers. You, you you're building a team, mm. and that's only going to be good for your coaching. And as I think I said last week, you know, um, in those stats that John put put out, the difference with Queensland and New South Wales is, I think we were. All, 14 coaches have put 18 swimmers on the flippers and New, uh, Queensland was 18 coaches that put 59 swimmers on flippers. So, so they've got three athletes to our one. Um, so, you know, you, and as Don would always say to me, you don't ever want to just have one athlete. So it was a great way to develop and, you know, you, um, you, your juniors would be going good because you had that junior mini champs, they used to call it. I mean, you walk into mini champs, it's like seven to 10 year olds, and it was like <laughs> the, the mini Olympics, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it was on for young and old. It was, you know, a hectic weekend, but good memories. Oh, and they loved it too, the the juniors. Mm. They, they, yeah. they all loved it. Um, as I say, even just relay champs. I'm, I was a big fan of that day. Yeah. Because you had them all together as a team, and um, yeah. you know everyone always swims fast on Relay Champs Day, so brought everyone together. Um, and it, as you said, it helped you develop a team because you had to. If you're going to put together a relay team, well, you've got to develop mm. enough to have you know four good quality swimmers within that within that team to be successful. So, yeah, you know, and like back then, you realize I think they were double ages, you know. Um, like nine 13, to ten, 14, 15, yeah, yeah, 16, yeah, nine, ten, that sort of thing. And then, um, I think it opens, it was like 15 and under and 18 and under, you know. So, but if you were a 15 year old, you couldn't swim in both relays, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what it is now, but you know, the thing about that was if you had three good swimmers, you couldn't. You know, you thought, geez, I need to get another athlete, you know, and you might have someone in the group and you think, you know, I've got to try and get them up, you know, yeah. and so you've got to motivate them to either commit more to the sport or, you know, sell the sell the picture and get them to nationals so that that relay that you thought either I if I can't get this person up, we could go from possibly winning a, a medal to not even being in the event. Mm. So it just helps uh, at all levels, you know. So whereas, I mean, I don't know, Robbie, what's the relay order now? You know, like I I tried to work it out. Was it like 13 years? Like can you just have any age? It just it looked a bit all over the place. At state? Yeah, I think it was like. At, at, at nationals. Oh, at national? Was it? Um, 
13 to 15 or 13 oh, to 18s. They had a few different, yeah, yeah I know what you mean. It was similar but different. Yeah, so, like, if you've got 13 to 18, you're like, mm, I don't really think, I mean, it's just a bit ridiculous. Um, I would think, yeah, you can't have a 13-year-old up against an 18-year-old, and nor nor should it. You're not, you're not making the coach go out and find that athlete, are you, you know? Um, you, you just sort of, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> down, but, you know. Apologies for uh, the cough. Um, let's get back to, obviously, we're, we're probably around 2002, 2003 in terms of your planning and, and, and where you're at. Give us a quick snapshot, 2003, what, what some, some of the goals you had. Um, and then obviously I, I wanted to ask a question of you set these goals out. Was there ever a point in that four years where you didn't hit a goal that you set out and then how did you deal with that? Uh, well, 2000, 2000 and 2001, um, goal number three was two gold medalists at Australian Opens. And I had two silver medalists. Um, so, uh, so got close. Yeah. Um, uh, how did I deal with it? I just put a cross beside it, not a tick. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, but as I said, I didn't, I didn't, I wrote out four years of plan all at once. I, I didn't change and lower my goals then for the following year. Yeah. You know, I, it just made me, you know, more determined or ask the question why or, or whatever it may have been. But um, no matter what happened, the goals never changed, you know. So, and as I think I showed you, I had um, 10, uh, let me count it, one, two, three, eight swimmers um, on the th- – 13th of September 2000, um, I wrote down eight names and I ranked them. And the eighth name was Alice Mills. <laughs> so, uh, which you picked up last week when I showed you. And um, poor old Alice. Yeah. So she was probably 14 then. So, probably a little bit to do with her age. And, yeah. um, you know, but I had her down. And um, so, yeah, so I'm I'm writing goals that ended up Alice ended up being part of. You know, I've got um so 2002 to 2003, two swimmers ranked between fourth and tenth in the world long course, and ended up with that. Um, that was Alice and Jody, uh, and in, in three events. Um, but I didn't put events down. You know, it was just two swimmers. So um, and in that. That year, Alice was ranked second in the 53 and the 200 IM, and Jody was ranked second in the 100 free. Um, but I only had three goals for that year. Uh, one swimmer win a medal at the uh, World Champs long course, and my third goal was age. I actually had a question mark that year, whereas the year before um, was to win it. So... So obviously, um, things were starting to change in the 
0304. So the first two years were more aged orientated, mm. and then it became more um, converting to um, to open international for uh, 03 and 04. So just for so those on track, yeah. No, and I, yeah, it's good stuff, and I, I think it was good too because they were specific, but not too specific. Um, yeah. You didn't have names attached to it, but and you didn't have events, but you had certain goals. Um, so it's good stuff for for all those. Clubs yeah, I didn't have times. Yeah, yeah, it didn't get it didn't get that nitty gritty. Um, they maybe yeah maybe if I showed someone they would said oh they're directional goals or something like that or yeah yeah. Um, I, I, my next question was going to be, so I, I'm, I revert back to the conversation we had where you said, if your program's not ready to handle those sorts of swimmers or that sort of thing, they need to be moved on. Yeah. You know, you'd been there, I, I guess this situation is a little bit different in terms of, okay, you, you hadn't been at the Olympics yet, but in the previous three years leading up to 2000, you'd, you'd been in and around the Australian team a little bit with uh, as you said, different teams, junior teams, Australia A teams, short course teams. So you'd been in and around it. So you, you still had a bit of a head start maybe on some of the coaches who are in that top 10 at the moment and maybe have been on a, you know, a youth team or something, um, but they, they yeah. might not have seen. In terms of yourself through that period, wh wh how did you know – what you were setting up. So I'm just sort of reverting back to that conversation. You know, you've got these coaches now that are, you know, top three, top four in, in Australia with a junior club, which essentially, uh, you know, would have been you around that time. You, you were in the top mm. 10 of Australia and you, you knew where you wanted to get to. What gave you confidence that you were going to push through and break through? Was it that you'd been there a little bit before and you'd, you'd had some success with the older athletes? Was it that you sort of had your plan and you set it up? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to revert it back just for those coaches listening now to go, oh, okay, that's that's what he did or that, that's how he thought about it. Um, what gave me confidence? Uh, not, not what, really. made you th what made you think I'm not passing them along? Are they not going, oh, yeah. They're not going to someone else because I know I, I, I can do this. So what, what plan was Matt like? Do you know what I mean? Uh, you you have obviously and you you did yeah. it so yeah well it was it was um, the reverse periodization gave me confidence um, and it gave the swimmers confidence as well you know and I was selling that we're doing something that no one else is doing now I didn't know if no one else was doing it <laughs> yeah. but it was quite different and back then you could do things without the whole world knowing you know the internet wasn't like it is today. Yeah. Uh, and swimmers weren't, you know, posting what what they did every three and a half minutes. So um, you could keep something, you know, a little bit different. And, and that's, you know, that was something that I said that what, what we were doing um, back at the end of 2000, you know, we were just going to have a sprint focus. Uh, it was going to be different to everybody else and, you um, so that that really gave me confidence. Um, we were walking into the dark a little bit, but um, I just felt, and and I'd felt I'd felt that for a long time that 
if I'm just doing the same as everybody else, then really I've just got to rely on having a better athlete than everybody else. And yeah. I didn't want to rely on that, you know. I just felt that was just I'd be waiting around forever, you know. So so I felt I had to be trying to look for something different to give um, the, the swimmers that I was coaching an advantage or, you know, being a, a, ahead of the game. And I think, you know, that's the thing. If you want to be ahead of the game, you can't be doing what other people have already done. So, yeah, so um, what I should have done, uh, looking back, and I think I've said this, like, with that success, then, you know, at the end of the day, as I've always said, you've only got two eyes and two hours. So um, I think if I could change anything, again, it would have got to a point, and it would have been around that 03 point, maybe 18 months out, and I lost two of the good sprint girls um, who were, you know, on Oceana teams, on those B teams, and I think they, they should have gone somewhere else. They, they should have gone to the AOS. Uh, one of my good boys went to the AOS, Brendan Hughes, and that was the right thing for him. Um, yeah. And he ended up making a team, the World Champs team in 2005. Uh, um, but because of the success, there was, it was just building in numbers. But then you have that break point where you've got too many going good. And looking back, I think at some point, people. Brendan went, uh, Cassie Hunt went to um, America and two uh, gave it away. So mm. um, those two that gave it away gave it away too early, you know. And I, I remember them saying, uh, oh, you know, we're never going to beat these two, you know, and they were referring to Jody and Alice. And, and I was saying, well, you you could be comparing yourself to the to the best in the world, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. If we, they were sort of saying, like, oh, if we can't beat these two, how are we ever going to make an Australian team, sort of thing. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, how many? Uh, I'm interested at, at that that break point that you're you're talking about. <clears throat> that you know you could have made a different decision. Well, how many athletes were you? personally working with in that top group in the top group uh it was about 16 17 do you think and i'm just sort of looking at it now do you is have times changed in terms of so if you went back there now yeah w would you say that's that's too many is that did you set you sort of set yourself up we all do it yeah, take on it, a lot yeah it's way too many um if you're trying to operate in that high performance area, you know. Yeah. What's your ideal number? What do I think? Um, ideally, it's around that eight to ten mark. Mm. But you don't want eight or ten Jody Henrys, you know, because that's too many Jody Henrys. Yeah. You know? If if you're talking about that type of athlete, you know, a Zach Stubbley Cook or a Emma McKeon or a Jody Henry, 
absolute four at absolute max four. Is that so, due, is that due to time obviously spent, you know, coaching, but also outside of the water, or, or four? Is that how much time they demand during every session in terms of to be the best? Well, no, it's what they demand at the major meet. Yeah. So obviously, I'm not saying four in your club program training yeah. up and down the pool every day. I'm saying eight to ten, but. Your whole eight to ten don't have to be superstars, you know. Um, that's a mistake, and because um, you got to work back from the end goal, which is hence probably you know when we're talking about those goals I set for four years, I was working back from Athens. Yeah. Um, and so here's the end goal. This is what I want. How is this picture going to get me there? And I don't see that happening um, even in our hub programs and stuff like that. You know, you, you just cannot, like, like I've, I've been at major meets where you've had, I've had six or seven athletes on a, on a team and you're just running around. Yeah. And, you know, you need time to, because once that gun goes, you can't do anything. You can't help them anymore. You can't say something, but you can regret a lot, you mm. know, you don't, and, and, and you end up going, oh, I should have said this, I should have done that, or blah, 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 blah. So, so when I'm talking those numbers, I'm working back from that major. Um, and I think, you know, what's the ratio that swimming's had for a long, long time? One to four. So obviously swimming thinks it's that, you know, as in Swimming Australia. So our our high performance programs need to be set up that way. I'm not so sure that they are. But, mm. um, <laughs> a podcast for another day. Um, <laughs> I, I'm interested. Does that make sense? Oh, no, 100%. No, no, it definitely does. The daily training environment, <clears throat> yeah. it's more than four. Yeah, but if you do a really good job and end up with eight, like like in Denmark, I had eleven, so they were going to waltz me off to the European champs with eleven. I'm like, I, I can't do this. I need the assistant. He has to come. Mm. <laughs> um, so you know. Um, so anyway, so um, I'm interested. Just with with the so okay. So I'm just I'm, again. I'm putting myself in the situation of the coaches out there that are listening to this and you know taking notes because they're they're at that point. As I said, they're, yeah. they're, we've got five in the top ten. So there's at least five clubs out there that if they want to progress and and drive through to that next level, that, that these are the sort of things they should be looking at. You 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 mentioned bringing it back to about eight to ten. What guidelines slash parameters do you put around that? Because just objectively, that would be something that would be hard for 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 a coach, you know, in terms of like, what's what's do they have to be top ten at nationals? Do they have to be top five at nationals? Do they have to be already on a, a junior team somewhere? Like, do you, how do you look at that ten and go, well, this is the ten? Because obviously, club land. Uh, pol more political stuff behind this. Oh, you picked that kid because she, she's your favourite, or they're your favourite. And my kid, you know, yeah. came eleventh at nationals too. Why? Why doesn't my kid get access to 
to training in that group, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, I think I think if you put that, if you put a parameter around it, like you've got to be top five or something, I think that's a rabbit hole you do not want to go down. Mm-hmm. That's where everyone's making their mistake. Because what are you going to end up with? You're going to end up with too many Emma McKeons in your group. Yep. Because you've you've made it that way. So, yeah, I wouldn't go down that road. And that's why, you know, in our ACT program that I've got, we have no stipulation. Uh, when Ron McKeon set it up, it was coaches, coaches' call. Yeah. Um, because what you end up with is you could end up with um, a 400 IMA, an open water swimmer, a 50 freestyler, and a 200 breaststroker. Yeah. They could be your top four athletes based on ranking. Now, that's just not going to work. All right. So you've, you've, you've got to have a program that's goes whichever way it wants to go and then you have athletes around that are going to suit that style of program and then if the athletes don't you know if they're the complete other spectrum whether it be a 50 freestyler or a 1500 freestyler that's when that athlete needs to go actually there's another program and i'm going to be better suited to that Um, once you go down rankings you're going to end up with one of six or seven different events or or could be. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's where, you know, um, and I think, you know, people have whinged about uh, my program and, and, you know, uh, I've got a better swimmer. Oh, good. You keep that swimmer. (laughs) You're doing a great job. Yeah. Keep that swimmer in your program. Yeah. You know, Um, I don't, I don't need to have all of the best swimmers in my program. I just need to have the swimmers that are contributing in a positive way to the program moving forward. Um, and I'm not looking for eight, nine, ten Emma McKeons to be in my program, you know. Um, so does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. And I think all the hubs need to be a bit like that. Um, when I was at the Europeans, it reminds me of a story. Uh, I was talking to the coach of the um, high-performance program in um, uh, France, and uh, Manadou had, had a bad 13, 2013, and we were there at the in Berlin, and, and um, I was having a chat to... Uh, the coach and and I said, oh, what happened last year with uh, with Manadou? Anyway, so French 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 swimming had made him get rid of one of these swimmers that wasn't you know up to the standard or whatever, and it was his best mate, so he just didn't like training. And then 2014, he started swimming better again because his mate came back into the program. Mm. So that guy was in the program. Not because he was the best swimmer in France or, you know, he was in the program because he made that program gel better, it operated better. He was the glue in in that program. Yeah. And and that's what 
you need all those different things for eight, eight, ten, twelve, whatever the number is, um, for it to operate well. You know, a hundred percent. You know, Wayne just always rugby league. We come back to, but Wayne Bennett talks about that in terms of even the the rugby league team. He needs a couple of rat bags somewhere within the team that. They might not be the most disciplined and they're probably out on the weekend when they shouldn't be, but when they're in the dressing rooms and getting ready for the training and <clears throat> getting ready for their games, they're the ones cracking jokes and getting people out of their heads a little bit more and getting the team environment um, a lot better. And no, 100% it makes sense. Um, I'm conscious of our time too, so I want to try and wrap it up soon, uh, even though me and you could talk forever, especially about this, because everything you say, I've got another question for. So we honestly could just keep going. Every plan is awesome, right? And and I fall into this trap myself. So that's why this question's come up. How important slash difficult is it to stick to your plan and and be obsessed about your plan? Because I find too often I, I can obsess about the plan just sometimes discipline wise and things you know little things just get away from me like ah oh, that was lazy i shouldn't have we should have stuck to that how hard is that because it seems like it's easy oh shannon wrote down three or four things that can't be like mm. no that's not that, that, that's discipline that's that's almost obsession for four years of i'm not letting this because more often than not, the best coaches don't want to be wrong either. There's a famous um, video of Wayne Bennett saying, I don't like being wrong. So he quite often mm. keeps players too long because someone said, no, no, don't get them. But he got them and then he doesn't want to be wrong. So he'll keep them around longer than sometimes he probably should. So you, you, no doubt you would have obsessed and you would have, no, we, we're going to make this work. How hard is that? And and is is that the key? Do you sometimes think to to the top coaches making it and people maybe – just not making it. It's not that they're not talented or they don't know what they're talking about. It's that it just might not mean as much to them as it does to those obsessed coaches who just, it's, it's, it, it's something that has to happen. If that makes sense, it's, it's not an option that it doesn't work. Um, yeah, I was probably a bit like that. Um, the, And what I've got better at as I've coached for longer is being a bit more fluid. Like, like when I was working with David Else, who I've spoken about on this podcast from 97 to 2000, he helped me become, you know, to be more like water, to be more fluid. Yeah. And he definitely helped me. Um, but I look back and I'm way better at that now than what I was even back then. And um, so so with those goals that I set, because they weren't, I, I think they worked well because they were quite big picture goals. Um, there wasn't too much detail. There was some detail, but it wasn't like time specific, mm. you know. Um, it wasn't nitty gritty. And so it, it enabled um, variation within the year uh, or within the quad um the four years but kept kept the direction that i needed to go it kept me in line in that way um so look you know the modern coach needs to be able to make adjustments 
but I don't think they need to make adjustments in the long in the big picture um, adjustment. It's more of the when something goes wrong that you can't control, you've got to be able to adapt to those sorts of things. Um, so it might be a shoulder injury, it might be uh, whatever. It might be just an, an athlete has gone off the rails for a period and you stand by them a bit because you know that this person can get um, to the four-year goal and it might be year two and they're just having trouble and it might be whatever. So, um, so, so having that four-year goal can help you um, in – being patient with that person, you know. Um, but you definitely need to have that fluidity. Uh, is fluidity a word? Fluidity? <laughs> Fluid, yes, I think that's the word. Is it? Um, I could have made that up. <laughs> the uh, We all need that. Yeah. Um, and I think we're better coaches when we can do it. It's not always easy, though. Um, so, yeah. Um. To 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 tie, sort of tie a bow in this topic, because <clears throat> as I said, we've probably we've carried it over for nearly three podcasts now. If you've got a club that's you know in that top ten, um, does we we keep saying New South Wales, but that's just because we're you know we both coach down here. We're from here. Could be in Queensland. Could be in Melbourne. You, you could be a, a, a club coming up from um, yeah. South Australia. You could be overseas. You could be you know in in the UK. You got a big UK following um in in denmark you've got a lot of people that listen over there you could have a club there that's emerging and you're starting to develop and you've got all these junior really good age group swimmers um what advice do you have for them over the next three years four years where, where are we heading let's go five years even 2028 for the olympics yeah, yeah so let's say you're five years out from la you're a coach and you don't have to be a young coach. You can be of any age. But let's just say you haven't been to international level yet, and mm-hmm. that's where you want to go. Now, I would challenge my club at, at club meetings, you know, not all the time, but if, if you know, I, I can remember them, something happened, you know, and, and I'm saying this club is – we're trying to get to, you know, Athens Olympics. Yeah. And would remind them of the purpose of this club. And, you know, we were, as I said last week, we're paying expensive water. If if, if we just want to be, you know, um, a fun club for fun swimmers who just want to just swim, blah, 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 let's go find a cheaper pool. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, Let's not be paying this amount of money, you know. Yeah. But that's not what the club was about. The, the club has always been, you know, a pretty serious type um, club, it, even when it was going bad, you know. Uh, it just lost its way. But my point being, if you want to get to that level, you got to make sure that your employer is on the same page or the club, as mm. I was, and that committee. Couldn't have Shannon Rollison... And a couple of swimmers wanting to get to the Athens Olympics and the club wanting to do something else in another direction. Yeah. Both 
in the water and on deck, and when I say on deck, the committee had to know the direction of the club, you know. Um, and then obviously, you know, and that's why I think the Brisbane side of things was important because it involved everybody in the club. Yeah. And then, you you know, everyone was trying to get to age nationals or open nationals, so it was a pyramid-type effect. Um, but that that, that Brisbane um, thing, it helped on two fronts too. It gave everybody purpose. It, it gave direction that everyone was involved in um, and no one could come back at me and go, oh, you only care about these three people or four people or mm. five people, you know. So it was very visual that I had everybody involved at some point uh, in the direction, but I think you've got to have that backing, and I had great, wonderful backing, you know. Um, uh, you've got to have that, you know, like you know, if your employer is only worried about having 150 swimmers in the club and they don't care whether you make an Australian team or they have any Australian reps you probably got to start looking elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good advice because uh, in the end you do start banging your head against a brick wall. I think we've all yeah. – uh, any coach who's been around for a while has been to a few different places and programs and that's a lot of the times usually where your uh, creativity starts to die because you realise the people around you are not heading in the same direction as you're trying to and uh, as hard as you try and – Sometimes it's funny, isn't it? We can all, um, <clears throat> you know, there's always that old saying that uh, a lot of girls look at a bad boy and think, oh, no, but I can change him. It's okay. I'll, I'll take him. I can change him. I think sometimes yeah. as coaches we can do that too in terms of oh, the program. Absolutely. Like, oh, that's okay. I, I know I can uh, I can work around that. I, I understand it and I can change that system or I can do this or even with swimmers, don't we? Oh, we'll take on that swimmer. I, I reckon I can look after that swimmer. And then at the end, you get into a year like, what the hell did I do this for? This has got a headache. So, no, it's good advice, Shannon. It's absolutely good advice. Um, as, and as we wrap it up, mate, what do you got on for the weekend? What's happening? I'm flying to Melbourne. Isn't it Sunday, though? Yeah. Oh, Saturday? Hmm. don't know. Hopefully. I think the weather's going to be all right. I think it's going to get colder again. We've had a warmest start to winter in June, mm. <laughs> which is ironic. Like May was just freezing. So, um, But I think we're going back to uh, zeros, um, which still isn't too bad. Uh, no. But, yeah, so just get a bit ready, finish off this week. Uh, we'll do a small set Saturday morning um, and then just uh, – yeah, hopefully everyone just stays healthy and stuff like that. Go down to Melbourne and um, see if see if the planes landed smoothly or not. <laughs> landing that plane, landing that plane. Um, what was going to say? I um had my birthday last week, as I said. Um, well, we said on the last one, um, thirty-seven. I was going to ask you, uh, what were you doing at thirty-seven? 37. Uh, well, it's not that far back. You're not that old. 
Well, hang on. <laughs> like he's scratching your head. <laughs> you let me go back to the archives. You're not that old. Oh, that, that was Beijing. <laughs> oh, was it? So, yeah. So, oh, well, I was would have been 36 going on 37. I would have been yep. 30 because I forever had my birthday on the team, uh, yep. being the 29th of July. Um, see, Xander, he, he's got the same birthday as me. Oh, does he? Yeah. There you go. That's why you get um, So, uh, yeah, so I would have been, uh, well, right this time now, yeah. would have been June, and we would be getting ready. We'd be weeks away from leaving um, for the Beijing Olympics. So if I'm, if I'm right, Alan Thompson was the head coach at that time. Yep. So if you had your birthday on the team, did Tomo look after you, a couple of drinks, take you out, have a dinner? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you had a drink. You got a, someone gave you a cake. <laughs> oh, you got a cake? Oh, that's nice, though. That's still good. Yeah, you always get a cake. Happy birthday to you. All right. Um, thank you to all the listeners for joining us again uh this week as we said we're going to sort of do a bit of a preview for trials um coming up next week we're also got um david clark um the swimming guru the stats guru coming back in a few weeks to talk about the history uh, of the world champs as well um funnily enough yeah we've got a lot of nostalgic people you know the, the chat we did uh, the history of the australian champs that was the highest rating one this year so people People are very nostalgic yeah. and they, they love uh, the history of it and all that sort of stuff. Um, the only one who didn't like it was David himself, but that's just because he didn't like hearing his own voice. So he he did <laughs> spoke to him yesterday and he said, oh, I started listening because I was curious, but I just hate hearing myself, so I had to turn it off. I said, yeah, you got to get rid of that. After a while, it just becomes, you know, just just is what it is. Your voice is what it is. You can't help it. And you hear your voice different to everyone else, don't you? So what we hear and we go, oh, that's – oh, actually, some people might still go, oh, but <laughs> you hear your voice <laughs> differently. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so we will. We are back for more um, fun, more podcasts. Uh, we do enjoy doing this once a week, so we want to keep doing it. Uh, so keep enjoying it. Keep reaching out to us. If you see Shannon down on pool deck uh, and you are enjoying the podcast, feel free to go up and say to him <laughs> – uh, thank you very much for the podcast. You're enjoying it uh, because we we do appreciate that stuff. Shannon Shannon does appreciate that stuff. He really does. Don't think no, he's you don't have to do that. <clears throat> no, you can you can you can go up and say, listen, mate. Thank you very yeah. much. I really appreciate. It. Enjoy it. Um, I think you're doing a great job. It's just a shame about that Robbie fella. So feel free to go <laughs> up uh, and see him down on pool deck. Um, but until then, uh, thank you all very much. Have a great weekend. Shannon, you enjoy yourself and we'll see you all next week. Thanks, Robbie. See everyone. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC Fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck and there's a pair of DMC Fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code OFFTHEBLOCKS for a 10% discount 
at checkout. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you. 